It's the story of an American held in a dark Venezuelan prison. Then all of a sudden, they all kind of lined up. They pointed their guns at me. And this is the point where I thought, I'm going to die today. I'm Becky Bruce. I spent a year working on Hope in Darkness, which now has more than 2 million downloads. Find it on kslpodcast.com or wherever you listen to podcasts. Welcome in. We are back. It's Faith, Family, and Football. Took a couple of weeks off, as you guys may expect, after another tragedy within the Utah football program. Trevor Allen here with you from kslsports.com, joined by Clark Phillips III, Utah cornerback, who the, the show's named after. Um, Clark, first off, how are you, man? It's It's been a while since we've uh, been able to do the show. Man, I'm good. I'm good. I'm just glad to be back on my dog, man. It's been a little while, and I'm glad to get back to where we started. So for those of you who are wondering, um, when uh, the uh, tragedy happened with Aaron Lowe, when he was tragically shot and killed at a, at a house party in Sugar House, the whole thing with this is one of the things we really value here at uh, kslsports.com is the uh, family side of it. And when you lose a teammate, the way that Clark not only lost Ty, but also lost Aaron Lowe, there wasn't any doubt that we were going to give Clark the uh, time to grieve. I know that, you know, contracts are one thing, but I'll just go off of what my, my boss, Nate Dowdle said. Um, people are more important than, than contracts. And so um, I told Clark, whenever you're ready to go, we'll end up getting back to it. And you guys are, are coming off of the uh, funeral service where you guys chartered down to Dallas, um, had that service. But just Clark, what has the last couple of weeks been like for you? just kind of catch the people up who haven't been able to keep up within the local media realm because we've we've uh, covered you and you know talked to you as far as the local media over at kslsports.com and all that throughout the last couple weeks but just for those who who tune in to this show from other areas how's the last you know couple weeks been like as you guys have been grieving through this tragedy and it's been crazy it's been it's been a lot of emotion obviously up and down um i feel like uh you know from the emotion of being in shock to sadness immediately to, you know, a little bit of anger of wondering why, and then to, you know, trying to grieve properly, trying to figure out how everyone else grieves, how trying to stick together with your brothers during this time. And then going to a funeral that almost like in a way um, it adds closure, but it almost reopens up the wound when you're like, dang, it really kind of cements everything uh, in a way to make you realize that, Hey, you know, that person's gone forever, but you know, forever with you in your heart. And so that's the perspective that I've been trying to, you know, tell myself, but it's, it's been long, man. And it's been a long three weeks. Um, Aaron passed away on the 25th. Uh, you know, it feels like, it feels like just yesterday I was just sobbing, crying with Makai Bernard, you know, in front of our house, you know, right after it happened, right after we heard about it. And so, you know, time flies and now I'm seeing that and life ain't promised. And I'm just grateful for those that I got now. And I know Aaron's still with us, you know, in our hearts and, you know, with our, with us in spirit. I will tell you when I when I got the uh, news, it was the day of my son's birthday, and it was Sunday morning. Yeah, and I woke up to a bunch of text messages, a bunch of phone calls, a bunch of tweets, asking me if this was true. And I'm like, "Is what true?" And then I I opened up Twitter, and everybody's just talking about how Aaron Lowe was shot and killed. And I'm just like, "No, no, that no, this isn't." It's, especially with how close he and Ty were. Yeah. Aaron's the reason why Ty came to Utah. Aaron wore Ty's number after after Ty tragically passed away back on Christmas Day in 2020. He was the first recipient of the uh, Ty Jordan Memorial Scholarship. 
Yeah. Just with, with how close they were linked together. And they were basically nine months apart as far as death. And I'm just like, no, no, this isn't happening. It, it felt like deja vu all over again with, yeah. with Ty, because it happened in, you know, in the middle of the night, you know, waking up to the, the news the very next morning. To me, it, it just didn't feel real. I'm wondering when you first found out what initially hit you. Man, it just, um, first thing was just shock. It was just like, this can't be true. This can't be real. Um, then it went into like, what do we do? I didn't, I didn't know, you know, what the, you know, when I first, I didn't know what to do. I just, you know, first thing I'm thinking is this my best friend. Like I I can't do it. I don't know. And I'm asking God, like, why, why take him too? I just couldn't understand. I couldn't find a way to understand. I couldn't wrap my head around it, man. And so, you know, I've, over these last couple of weeks, I've been trying to find purpose and not just in that situation or trying to understand it, understand God's plan, but just go with God's plan and just trust him. And it's really been allowing me to just lean on my faith, you know, and just trust him no matter what, because as we all know now, um, you know, we make all of our plans throughout the day. But, you know, I'm sure Aaron had no idea, you know, when he was playing that game, uh, when he was out there on the field with us earlier in that day, that it would be his time, you know. And that's something that we've all got to realize. And it's really allowed me to continue to draw closer to God, you know, and the people that, you know, are most important, which is family, uh, you know, even friends and, you know, just the people that are closest to me, because that's all that we can do. You know, I'm actually glad you mentioned some of that, because obviously part of the show is faith. It's yeah. it, it's in the title. How has faith um, directed you through, through through this tragedy, whether it's been positive or negative? Um. It's given me really just peace, you know. Um, that's the that was my first prayer after I heard everything and everything was true and you know, there's no more denying it. I just sat down and I asked God for peace to give me peace with everything because I know that's something that a lot of people, you know, neglect and a lot of people don't don't have but don't even know it. It's something that, you know, everyone prays for money, uh, for all of these things, for courage, for wisdom, all this stuff. And I just said, God, if you give me peace, I'll be peaceful and I'll, I'll you know, be at peace with everything. I pray, pray for serenity and peace. Really just want to, you know, rather than trying to understand things, give me peace with the situations. We can't change them. Aaron's not coming back to earth, so... Um, just give me peace with that. You uh, told me on one of the first few uh, episodes, I, I think it was the one leading up to the uh, opener against Weber State. Yeah. Um, you were telling me about the last encounter you had with Ty, and that was when you had your uh, pick six against Washington State in the, in the season finale. Yeah. And how he came up to you and was saying that you were like his son or, you know, something like that, where you were like scoring touchdowns yeah. the way he was. What was your last encounter with Aaron? Aaron, man, it was in the it was in the locker room right before um right before the game and you know we uh so before the game we're always getting dressed and stuff and the DBs most of us will hang back we'll go in the group second group for warm ups and stuff um, prior to the game we always did that and so before the game this game uh, in particular you know we got ready and everything I already was putting on my stuff this game I wore two sleeves half sleeves. Um, I forget exactly what he wore, but uh, after we had all got dressed, you know, we walked over to the mirrors right right, right inside of the locker room, um, just kind of looking at our outfits and everything. And he was just, you know, telling me that, you know, it's my time to shine or whatever. And I'm like, appreciate you, brother. You know, love you, bud. He was just like, I love you too, man. And um, we just kind of left it at that. And so now I see exactly why his last words to me were, I love you, brother. You know, it's just crazy. I was telling Coach Shaw, I'm like, it's all making sense to me, you know. Tried so hard to understand it, um, and it's crazy. This is the one time that really after the game we didn't talk very much. Um, of course, I uh, 
I had media obligations that game because I had a pick six. Yep. Um, so right after the game, I was straight to media and stuff, so I didn't see him. So, you know, before the game was the last time I spoke to him. Do you feel good about how – I know that this could be kind of cheesy, but I'm going to say it anyway. I, I know how there's, you know, ways where, like, people – whenever a loved one dies, um, they're always wondering what the last words were said. Do you feel at, at peace knowing that his last words to you was that he loved you? Yeah. Yeah, man. And, you know, I wouldn't have wanted it no other way. Um, The more and more I thought about it and, you know, I even started to explain those last moments, you know, uh, right after the tragedy happened, days after, weeks after. And now I find myself getting, um, you know, just random thoughts of joy just thinking about it because I'm like, wow, God knows what he's doing, man. You know, because just that just that thought lets me know that. He's at peace. I can be at peace with it. Everything's going to be all right, you know. By the way, you guys can follow Clark on Twitter at ClarkPhillips21 and on Instagram at ClarkPhillips the third. This is powered by KSLSports.com. Now let's uh, talk about how you guys have, have come together. This is obviously a different situation than what it was with Ty because you guys all separated. You guys all had gone home. I think you were in Southern California when you found out about Ty, right? Yeah, yeah. So you guys are all – have, have gone home, season's over. You guys chose to not play in a bowl game, which after that, you know, COVID year, I, I absolutely totally understand it. Yeah. And I, I know everybody else does. For this one, you guys are in the middle of a season. You guys just came off of a win where it, w- it was your guys' first conference game. Um, you were coming off of that uh, triple overtime loss to San Diego State. Fans yeah. were kind of, eh, you know, they're like, is this Utah football team really any good? And yeah, and you guys fumbled the ball seven times and still happened to win the game. I mean, I don't, I still don't know how. Crazy, I mean, and again, you end up sealing the win again against Washington State with a, a, another pick six, um, which we'll we'll talk about that in the, the second segment. But how different was this compared to last time with Ty? I mean, I, I know you guys met as a team on that Sunday when you guys found out. Just what were the emotions? I mean, obviously, you guys were all were all broken, but. Was it more helpful to get through this whole process knowing that you guys were all together? And, you know, and that, and I'm glad that you say that, man, because um, family, family is the biggest thing to me, one of the biggest things. And so the fact that, you know, the team was able to mourn and it's still mourning and still grieving actively, um, but was able to kind of really get through it together. After all of those things happened, you seen people loving on each other that maybe didn't talk every day. You seen, you know, I got I talked to guys that on a team that maybe I didn't see every day because maybe they're on the scout team, maybe they're doing something else. But I got more people reaching out, and it just really just warmed my heart. I tried to make more of an effort to talk to people and to connect with people and to you know make sure everybody's doing okay because truthfully, you don't know what people are going through behind closed doors. And more than ever, it's making me realize that because I can get into dark places and I catch myself, um, you know, and I just get in, I fall down and I just get on get into prayer, man, because I know it's the devil, you know, and now even more than ever is making me realize, you know, the value of having a team and having a family and that because my happiest times and it's always been that way, but my happiest times are when I'm at that facility, you know, and it makes you realize more than ever when you're sad and when you're grieving and things and when, you know, it's not very much else to do or not very much else to look forward to or to be happy about. You're like, damn, I got ball, you know? And so that's something that um I'm grateful for. I know you might not want this, put out there and you know you and I will talk about things that we're going to talk about on the show but a lot of the time it, it's not it's not scripted for what we talk about on the show but I will say because I I feel like you'll you'll probably be okay with me talking about this your dad came back out 
So your dad flew out Saturday morning and then ended up flying back Saturday night um, after the Washington State game because it was a it was a, a noon kickoff. So he was able to get in from Southern California and, and then go back home without having to you know book a room or anything. But then he he flew back out again Sunday to be with you. Just just talk about that time with your dad and and you know how how you know really crucial it was for him to be there for you when you were grieving again. And it was special, you know, makes me tear up just thinking about it, man, because my dad's always really just been my best friend, um, my supporter, uh, biggest critic. Uh, he's been all of that. And really my mother's right there with him. And I'm grateful he was able to come out. You know, he was the first person I called when I got the news, you know. He, uh, you know, and I just needed to hear his voice. I called him and I and I didn't expect him to come out, you know, right away because I knew he had just landed. I was just calling him because I needed to hear his voice and I needed to hear I needed to hear pops because I was broken. Um, I was I just I probably wasn't saying words, but I knew if anybody was going to understand me in that moment at 11 o'clock at night when I found out my best friend had died, you know, it was going to be pops. And so I called him and, you know, next thing I know, he was telling me he was out here. He was headed out here. And, um, you know, for the next five to six days, I stayed with him in a hotel. He impromptu got a hotel um flew out here i don't know how much money he spent doing that you know booking a day of flight you know and so and i still got to pay him back that's why i'm playing my butt off right now man so i can pay him back man he's made some sacrifices and that's just one of them that ain't nothing compared to what he's done you know these last 20 years well you'll well you'll end up paying him back i mean you end up having a great game against usc as well and we'll talk about that uh coming up in in the uh, next segment but you ended up mentioning something about Aaron, um, saying that you're best friend. So that leads me into my next question. What did Aaron Lowe mean to you? Man, he was a brother. He, uh, and I told my dad this, you know, pretty much probably every day that I was with him when he was out here. Aaron showed me a type of brotherly love that, you know, that I only had with my, with my younger brother. And it was different because it was coming from a friend. Uh, me and Aaron are both really, really masculine dudes and not too lovey-dovey at the surface. Yeah. And so for us to click and from for us to be from completely different types of different environments and areas, it took, you know, for us experiencing some things, for us to battle, compete in practice, bump heads early on, um, him to take me in as a younger brother almost in a way, for us to become close. And it went from that to him down near staying at my house. Pretty much, you know, there's a period where he would stand up here for weeks. You know, he would come over here. He would just be like, hey, brother, you got a cover? And like, he'd go sleep on the couch. And I'm like, all right, <laughs> bro, what's going on? And he would just talk and son, talk and talk. And so, you know, that dude, was a, he was a brother. He was a friend. He was a great encourager. That dude, man, he uh, he always – he knew what to say. Like, and I mean, me and Coach Shaw were laughing about this because, like, if I would have, you know – Rarely, but if I would have a bad practice or bad rep or something, Coach Shaw goes in on in meetings, you know, and, you know, I'm quiet. I don't say nothing. I just, you know, we leave the meeting rooms and Aaron always knew what to say. He'd be like, sometimes he'd just be like, screw it, brother. We good. I can't say what he really said, but he'd be like, screw it, brother. <laughs> yeah. You know, we good. Yeah. You know, next rep. Bro, you know Shaw don't mean that. You know he don't mean that. I'd be, you know, and I would, and he would explain, and he would tell me when I was wrong. Some situations I'm going back and forth with somebody like CP, and he would just get that long face, like, you know what, this one, you got to take this one. This was you, bro. You, you shouldn't have said that, or you shouldn't have done this. 
and he would just have that look and he always and we were that for each other you know and that's why our relationship was so special i feel like because there is a level of honesty um there's a level of love that we felt like we could trust each other um and then it was like it it was real it was organic it wasn't forced it wasn't you know fake it was that's why the dude was so special man Let's uh, talk about the the service that you guys attended to in uh, in in his hometown. You guys chartered down Monday morning. Um, it, it ended up throwing a wrench in your guys' practice schedule, but at this point, who cares? I was able to watch it via stream, but I wasn't there to get the whole the whole picture of it. Just kind of you know tell our audience of what of what that experience was like. It was special, and uh, you know me and. Uh, JJ, we we both told each other before we uh as we were getting off the bus, we're like, man, Aaron will want us to Alo will want us to be strong. Alo will want us to be strong right now, you know. And we both had, you know, both were trying to be strong. As we walked through those doors, man, me and JJ both, we uh when we saw Aaron, you know, as we got closer, it made us we I was happy, I had joy, but I was crying because it just it made it made so much it just it, it was real now. It was real and you know, I realized that. Aaron was gone, you know, and I guess you realize it and you know it, but when you see it, it's just a whole different uh, feeling, you know, and as we walked through those doors, I got weak. I was like, my knees felt like they were, you know, jello and I couldn't feel them. Um, JJ hugged me and we both started bawling our eyes out and, and we hugged each other. I told him I love him and I told him what Aaron told me when he stood over Aaron, over over Ty's casket. He said, you know, we're going to get through this, brother. Be strong, brother. Be strong. We straight. And that was his best friend. That's what he told me. And so that's what I told JJ, you know. I really got to say this. Coach Shaw, if he wasn't a college football coach, he needs to be like a life coach or something. a preacher or something like that. Because his his talk during the the uh, service, being a media member, put me through all, all sorts of emotions. I wanted to run through hell for that guy. I wanted yeah. to run through a brick wall. I wanted to cry my eyes out yeah. and just... It, it seemed like he, and you know, it wasn't scripted. He even said he wanted to speak from his heart, but yeah. And I even posted this, the, this clip about when Aaron would, uh, you know, whenever they would have conversations on or off the field, he'd say, you still love me. Don't you coach? And but he would, he really know, would too. And you know, I, I end up posting that and, and it's gone viral, but it has a special message in there to, to tell those who you do love that, that you do love them, even if they don't meet the expectations of what you have for them. I, I just felt like his messages, I felt like that was just a home run. Yeah. Made everybody feel so good. And that kind of put the closure. Yeah. Yeah. So glad he got up, man. Cause um, me and JJ, we weren't planning on getting up just only because they didn't, uh, we weren't on the, uh, what is it called? On the schedule to get up. And so mm-hmm. we, you know, out of respect, we were just going to kind of stay in our place. But when they gave us the opportunity, we were like, okay, we got yeah, to. Before, yeah. JJ was like, yeah, JJ talked. And then I was so glad that Shaw got up and said some words because now people see what I was talking about. I got a lot of texts afterwards saying, man, I see why you want to be. I'm, I see why you, uh, why you went to be a youth and mm-hmm. see why you talk about and rave about Coach Shaw. I tell people all the time, he's like a second father to me, you know, his ability to coach, convey a message, keep you motivated. Um, encourage demand at the same time, you know, it's just, it's, 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 it's a skill that um not a lot of people have, and I'm just blessed to, you know, to reap the benefits of it. All right. Final thing. And then we'll take a break um, with this. Now you guys have got to turn your focus ahead to a game, but does yeah. this season mean more now? Because you got, you got, you guys were just playing for tie before. 
Yeah. Now, now is it for Ty and Aaron? Yep, yep, definitely, man. It's the season. Uh, I feel like there was a heightened sense of focus in that SC game, especially um, because of those events. But I feel like that in a whole, as a whole, the whole season now has become that much more important because now we're doing it for both of our brothers who both wore twenty two. All right, we are going to take a break. When we come back, we're going to go over the Washington State win. We're going to go over the USC win, and we're going to look ahead to Arizona State as the Utes are on a two-game winning streak. And and this is a pretty big game. It's probably the the uh, game of the year in uh, the South Division. Right. Two undefeated right. teams, man. You ready to talk about it? Let's do it, man. All right, sounds good. We're going to talk about oh. that coming up next here on Faith Family and Football. I'm Dave Cauley, investigative journalist and host of the podcast, Cold. In October of 1985, a woman named Cherie Warren left work at a busy Salt Lake City office. To meet her estranged husband at a downtown auto dealership. She never made it home. Cherie's car surfaced weeks later in Las Vegas. In the parking lot of a hotel casino. No one knows how it got there. Strange. It was strange. Both Cherie's estranged husband and her boyfriend raised suspicion for investigators. I kind of thought that he might have done something. But no arrests were ever made. In Cold Season 3, we dig into double lives, make new connections in the case, and examine the difficulty raised by reasonable doubt. We want answers just as much as anyone else. They have creeps like that now too, so nothing's changed. That's the new Cold Season 3, The Search for Cherie. Now available anywhere you get your podcasts. Welcome back in to Faith, Family, and Football. We are back Clark Phillips, Trevor Allen here with you. It's powered by kslsports.com. You guys can follow Clark on Twitter at ClarkPhillips21 on, on Twitter. And then on Instagram, it's at ClarkPhillips the third. So, Clark, why don't we go back to the Washington State game? Uh, another pick six. Yeah. So you have two interceptions as a U. Both yep. have gone for touchdowns. Talk about this one because uh, it kind of had some of the similarities, but it was a different quarterback. Jaden Delora didn't play in that game. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, man. Um just knowing tendencies, man, understanding, you know, down and distance, understanding the the game situation. They were driving down to win. I believe we were winning by three or four, right? Yeah. Uh, we were winning by three, I believe. I, I actually think it was four. Or four. Yeah, it was, yeah. It was four, I'm pretty sure. And uh, you know, they were driving down. It was the two minute drill, I'm pretty sure. Mm-hmm. And they were driving down and, you know, with the intent to win. We knew that they had to get quick routes in, get out of bounds. It was a fourth down on this particular player. I think it was fourth and six. Yep. Uh, I knew what their tendency was. They loved the out route. They needed to get out of bounds uh, to preserve time. And I just, you know, I trusted my gut instinct. Uh, I had faith um, in my film study, uh, confidence in my playmaking ability, and I took a chance, man. And I took a risk that – led to us getting a big victory, man, because got faith in God, man. And I put in the work and I just had to just show it in that moment. And then I, you know, I like to return the ball. I'm a, I played a lot of offense in, in high school. And so I try, I, you know, I'm always going to try to score. And so, you know, when the ball got in my hands, it was like, there was no doubt that I was going to try to make something happen with it. You didn't have to like walk the tightrope into the end zone this time. You had to like dodge traffic and juke out some yeah. dudes. Yeah. Yeah, man. I uh I had to turn on my running back hat, man. Yeah, you did. I had to turn on my I had to put on my running my running back hat. That felt good, man. I uh watching that again, it felt like an out of body experience, man. Watching it on film, I'm like, I don't remember making that move. I don't remember making that move, you know. 
And I guess you do a lot of things instinctually in big games like that, in big moments especially. After the pick, it was like, I, you know, somebody else. <laughs> you guys end up picking up the win there, but have you ever been in a game where teams fumbled the ball seven times and still won the game? I don't think I've ever seen it or ever experienced it. I mean, that was that was insane. It was just so weird. Yeah. How crazy was that locker room at the half? I mean, you guys didn't have to worry about fumbling the ball because you guys, you guys are playing defense. You guys have got to catch the ball whenever it comes to you, which you did. Yeah. Yeah. But, I mean, how crazy what was that locker room? It was nuts, man. Just because you know we know we know where we've um, come from. We know we've you know battled back and roared back in some great deficits before uh, last year, and you know we know what type of team, what type of uh, mentality that we have as a team, and the culture that we have on the defense side of the ball is that you know everyone can get it, um, no matter what we're down by, no matter how much we're up, we still play through the whistle. Uh, we play to the clock say zero so um you know afterwards it was like it was super it was a it was a moral emotional it was super loud it was turned up because it was like we did it we were talking on the sideline and we were like we still got this we got this game we got this game you know and so to see it happen it really made everybody happy it made everybody you know turn up how loud was the uh, stadium when you were when, when when you caught the ball and went into the end zone because I was in the elevator when it happened I'm gonna be honest with you I'm a terrible co-host at the uh, the four minute mark is when they allow the media to go down. And I was in like some giant storage room on my way out to the field. And I get, yeah. and, and I get into the elevator and one of the other media members said that, that you just got to pick six. I was so, wow. <laughs> cause I'm like, I freaking missed it. But the fact that, uh, you know, it still happened. And then I end up coming out onto the field to go into, to, to the uh, post game press conference. And you guys were already back on defense. Wow. That's crazy, man. And not to answer your question, it was ridiculously loud. Yeah. Um, I didn't know that because in the game, I didn't hear it. Like, I was a tunnel vision, and I tend to blur things out and, you know, probably not even really hear anything because I'm just so locked in in the game, except for those down moments, maybe a timeout, TV timeout. Then I kind of snap back to it. And I'm like, okay, what's going on? You know, what's the situation? And so in that moment, I didn't really hear anything. It took me watching the video and seeing the reaction of the crowd and all that stuff. It made my heart happy, man. It made me smile. I was like, wow. You fans are crazy, man, and they love us because I felt the love watching those videos and seeing, I mean, from the whole 50, what, 54 yards was the return or 56? Um, that whole, yeah. the whole time that I was running, man, it was loud. And then when I got into the end zone, it was even louder. I loved it, man. It made me hype. Um, so you guys end up picking up the win. Uh, and, you know, coming in, into that game, you guys were were one and two for the first time in, I think, since 2000, 2009? No. 2007 I don't know it was a long time ago but you guys were still feeling pretty good about yourselves because you guys just had to correct some things and as long as you guys took care of business in Pac-12 play your guys' goals were you know still achievable so you guys are 2-0 and now yeah and then, and then you guys go over to USC where you hadn't won since 105 years ago and and actually the the Coliseum didn't break ground until till the 1920s and your last win in L.A. against USC was in 19, 1916. So just in L.A., period. But you guys had never won in the Coliseum before until then, which is crazy. But that was also you going home, plenty of family members there. What was it like to, to hear the, the Coliseum only be loud when, when you guys scored? Because you guys were doing a lot of it, and you guys were playing great defense. But uh, – 
you got you guys made that made that coliseum pretty quiet except for the Ute fans. That was the plan, man. And you know, we said it before the game. Coach Galley was, you know, on saying it. Uh, Devin, uh, Mika, all those guys. We were all just saying, "Hey, we want this stadium to be quiet." You know, when we walk up out of here, we want them to be stunned at what just happened. And that's what we did. You know, we continued. We know when we make plays on defense, it's probably not going to get loud. We love it like that. We want it to be sad. We want it to be like, dang, what's going on with our offense? And so for the most part, we kept them in check. Uh, the scoreboard reflect, reflected that perfectly. It was special to see us dominate them the way that we've seen them dominate teams in the past. And so we, it was just good to see, man. And then knowing the history behind it made it that much more special. Um, hearing that we hadn't won in 105 years in the Coliseum just made it that much more special. We we saw ourselves win that game before we won it. You know, we really believed um, that we were going to do it, you know, and a lot of factors contributed to that and a lot of a lot of guys. And it just required that the guys, everyone did their assignment and we stick together because, you know, that's what we have strength in, you know, our team. How good is Drake London? <laughs> I mean, Maybe. that guy, <laughs> oh my gosh. 16 yeah. catches, 11 of them were, were, were in, in the, uh, the uh, first half. But yeah. you, you kind of took on more of that assignment in that second half. Yeah. And you had some yeah. great pass breakups, especially the one where it was the, a celebration where I think you did like, you know, you, you like yeah. waved your arms across or something like that. Waved my arms and I, I crossed my arms. Yeah, so. and, then, and then like folded your arms like, yeah, yeah, that's what's up. Yeah, yeah, man. It, it was a fun matchup. Um, you know, I'm grateful for my coaches having faith in me. Uh, the first quarter – uh, when I really didn't match up on him that much, he plays to the to our right, his left, um, and usually I play the left corner. And so the first quarter, we really didn't match it up too much. He got a lot of targets in that first quarter. And so, you know, after that, we kind of um, did things a little, we moved in another direction in terms of coverage. Um, I went on him. Uh, we both made some plays. It was fun, you know, John back and forth. I was going to say, yeah, was he John? Yeah, man. And it was it was good to see that because, you know, that's a part of my game. So anytime someone converts that to their game, I know that they're adjusting to the on, on the fly to try to be different. Now you're getting out of your game because he doesn't talk, you know. And so that was good to see, man. And it was good to just um, to see him play, you know, because, you know, you watch all this film, you see him lost 10, 15 guys, you know, and, you know, probably more than that, actually. And so just seeing all of that film, I was like, okay, I can't wait to get this. This is my matchup. And so, you know, when I got the opportunity, I was like, let's get it. It's like, let's get it. So I made plays. He made plays. He's a great player. They said first round, Blitnikoff, all this. I was like, okay, I want that matchup. And it was fun, man. Well, they, they also throw the ball a million and a half times per game, yeah. too. So, But yeah. I, I really felt like in that first quarter, I, I think he had, if not all of his catches were in that, that uh, first quarter of, of the 11. It seemed like they were really trying to get him involved every which way, running every possible screenplay, especially yeah. early on, I think three or four or five of his catches were all off of screens. That's what I'm saying, man. And that's what I, you know, kept on preaching to the, to the corner room. Uh, you know, even at halftime, I was like, man, it's respect. They got the, one of the best receivers in the country, as they say, and um, they've done nothing but screens. For them, for them not to throw it downfield uh, once, really, in the first quarter, they did a comeback, I believe, on the first play of the game. But other than that, it was like they just, you know, screens – that's something that you do with your running backs and try to get guys in space. Not when you've got a six, five monster. Uh, and so like it, it was, that was special to see. I told the guys and I used it as motivation. I was like, the fact that they're doing screens shows that they've got a little bit of faith and a little bit of, uh, you know, a little bit of fear of our coverage. And so well, I'm grateful for that. And I just told the guys keep on playing. And, you know, I was like, you know, I could just, I, for me, I was like, man, I just can't wait to get on this guy. And so when I got the opportunity, I let my film study, 
uh, confidence and, you know, play due to, due to talking. I know that we're on, on audio here, but I'm actually going to show you. So we ended up, uh, was able to go down on the field. You, you and I talked for a brief second after the game down, yeah. down onto the field. Um, but while, while you were playing, I got this photo. Oh yeah. I was just standing right there. Yeah. Okay. As, as you're like lining up, that was when USC scored a touchdown, but it was in, it was in the fourth quarter, but you guys yeah. already had the game in hand and it wasn't on you. So, um, yeah. but just, I mean, you've, you've grown up around this rich program with, with all the success that, that USC's had with it from the Reggie Bush days, Matt Liner, Carson Palmer, um, yep. growing up down the road from it. And you never even thought about going to USC when, when you were coming out of high school. What did this win mean to you personally, being a guy from Southern California around this, this really talented program? Man, great question. And, you know, like you said, I, I never really thought I would end up at SC, even when I did get the offer and all that stuff. Um, but I did take visits there. I, I went to games just because it's SC. You know, I went to yeah. games and around the corner. Oh, and, I went there and I got to see some of my friends. Um, being a recruit, I got to go to a lot of games. And it was just a trip, man. I was, you know, me and my mom were having a moment after the game because we were just like, wow, it's just crazy. You know, go from thinking that you're going to be a Buckeye and you're not going to even be in the SoCal to being in the Coliseum playing against them. It was just a weird feeling. It was like, wow, I'm here and, you know, doing something I didn't think I was going to be doing. I thought I was going to be way out, you know, somewhere different. And, you know, I'm here playing against SC, a team that I didn't think in a million years I'd be at, but let alone play against them. So it was special to me, man. It was special to my family. What is the the message now as you guys go go into Arizona State, two teams that haven't lost in conference play? Uh, whoever wins this game is going to be in the the uh, driver's seat in the the uh, Pac-12 South Division. What is the message right now going into this game? Uh, I think everyone kind of knows it's a big game. We're trying to treat it like it's another game. You know, it's one to know every week. That's our that's our goal in mind. And so, um, rather than trying to get too hyped about it being a big game and a big determining factor for both teams, we're trying to you know just focus on the details. Um, the game plan, understanding, you know, self-scout, what they're going to try to do to us to exploit us, to attack us, and understanding what they do and what their personality is offensively. And, um, yeah, man, we just want to win the game. Are you uh, thinking about going into some sort of modeling career after you're done playing football? No, I don't think so. My mom's always (laughs) said that since I was a little man. But uh, I just enjoy – I do enjoy – I do enjoy pictures. I will say that I enjoy, you know, especially when you get dressed up and stuff and – I know what you're referencing. You're talking yep. about the uh, the photo shoot that I did for this week's uniforms, right? Yep. Uniform real. Exactly. Nah, man, I, I love that. Um, and it made my heart happy. Uh, Maddie Henson, one of our one of our ladies that works in in that area um, in, in the department for University of Utah football. Social media, yeah. Yeah, social media, and she does a lot of our like pictures and photography yeah. and videos and all that stuff. She uh, called me right now. She was just sending me a text. She said, so I did, I put a song on, you know, the uh, video shoot and, you know, I listen to blue bucks clan and those guys, they commented in the comments of that video. And then they followed me just now and they reposted it. And so like, I was super hype. I was ecstatic, man. When she texted me and said, Hey, they reposted the video. Then I go to my followers and I see both of them. So it's, it's two guys in blue bucks clan or three. It used to be three, but it's two. And they both follow me right now. And I sent them both the message. I said, man, I'm a big fan. You know, I was fanboying, but I was just so hyped, man. I was like, that's so tight. And all I did was just use their song, you know, for the hype video, you know? Well, I'm also glad that they're like really, really cool about it because there are people out there who'd be like, Hey, take that down. That's ours. You know, things like that. So that's actually cool that they were. 
that, that they were like that. that. What kind of led to that? Um, was it just Maddie saying, hey, you want to come and uh, put on this uh, uniform combo? We're going to roll it out tomorrow. We want to want to have you as our model for it. Yeah, yeah. That's that's basically what the conversation was. Maddie hit me and she was just like, uh, she's like, um, you want to do the reveal for this weekend? You know, I had some things going on earlier in the weekend. I was just like, I would love to, you know. When I saw the combos, I was even more hyped. Well, especially when you're supposed to do a podcast with your co-host. No, not really. That's right. That's right. right. We all, and by the way, you guys are probably going to notice the, the uh, sound quality is a little bit different. Clark and I are doing this on zoom because Clark is really busy with, with homework. He's got a lot of catching up to do after dealing with the uh, tragedy over the last couple of weeks. So, but we will be back in studio the the following episode. We can't promise you that. So it'll be back in person again for, for Clark and myself. We haven't done picks in, in a, a, a couple of weeks. I do have the results from a couple of weeks ago. I don't think you want to hear about them. But we're gonna do that anyway. Are you ready to make some more picks? Are you are you caught up on college and NFL? Yeah, a little bit. Not really. I'm not. No, you're not. I was gonna say no. You're not. I haven't really been watching, but um, I'm curious to see what if I struck out or not. You almost went over in college picks. <laughs> Dang, it wasn't good. But we will go ahead and uh, do our picks coming up next. You're listening to Faith Family and Football with Clark Phillips. Final segment here of Faith, Family, and Football with Clark Phillips III. Trevor Allen here along for the ride. Thank you guys so much for tuning in. Make sure you guys leave a comment. We only take five-star reviews. And also make sure you guys hit that subscribe button. That would be much appreciated. You guys can find it wherever you guys get your podcasts, as well as kslsports.com and the KSL Sports app. All right, Clark. We haven't done picks for a couple weeks, but I do have the results from week four of the college football season. You went one in four. Dang. And I went three and two, so I've got a leg up on you now. Man, you're getting me. You're getting me. I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make a, a, a comeback like we did this season. Started off tough, and now we're back on track. That's what I'm going to do. It's all right, though. I'll let you I'm, have your time. I'll let you I'm, have your uh, time. I'm glad that you guys are, are, are riding the ship in real life, but in picks, it's not going to happen. Sorry, man. <laughs> um, all right, so for college football picks, you are 8-12 and 12 overall. I am 10-10. and 10. So pops can't get after me for being below 500. You're below 500, so he can give you all the crap in the world. But hey, I, 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 get I, but I also do this for a living. You just play football, so <laughs> it's kind of the advantage. Um, all right, the first game, number 12, Oklahoma State at number 25, Texas. Oklahoma State at Texas. Oklahoma State, they're having a good season. Yeah, they haven't lost, and uh, Texas just lost to Oklahoma with their backup quarterback. Yep. Spencer Rattler got benched. Hooking horns going Texas. That's the first off. Got it. Got it. Yeah, for sure. Um, Number 11, Kentucky, which who would have thought that, for one, at number one, Georgia? Kentucky. No. I was going to – wait, what? That's going to be an upset. It is? Kentucky beat Mark. This is why you're. This is why you're like plummeting, man. <laughs> Who did Kentucky beat? They Everybody. Beat they haven't lost a game yet. Yeah, Kentucky beat someone that I was like, whoa, how did that happen? Um, I think that they beat Florida. Yeah. Yep. I think that's what that's what happened. Well, I'm going to look it up real quick just to put your mind at ease and to really have you make sure that you know who you're going with on this, because I am a good friend and a good co-host. I appreciate you, man. Okay, Kentucky is 6-0, 4-0 in the SEC. What? Okay, their oh. wins were against LSU, 
Florida, South Carolina, UT Chattanooga. They beat good old Missouri and Louisiana Monroe. They beat Missouri by a touchdown, beat South Carolina by only six points, beat Florida by by seven at home, and dominated LSU last week. But Georgia uh, Georgia is the new number one team now that Alabama lost to Texas A&M. Really? Did you not know that Alabama lost to Texas A&M? I heard about that, but I didn't know Georgia was number one now. Yeah, Georgia hasn't lost. Georgia's good. Like, if if any team was to beat Alabama this year before Texas A&M went and did it, it was going to be Georgia. Yeah, I can see that. I can see that. So are you going with Georgia or are you going to stick with the Wildcats? I'm going with the Wildcats, man. Man, this this is why you're going to plummet. I, <laughs> I, I just don't get it. I'm, I'm going Georgia. I mean, it's like taking candy from a baby right now. Nah, it's not happening. Watch this. All right. Auburn at number 17, Arkansas. Auburn. At ranked Arkansas. Yeah, it's Arkansas. Arkansas. That's that's three and oh right there. Might be two and one. I'm going Auburn. Just, yeah. Just throwing that out there. Yeah, you're taking the L on that one. A, a pair of three and three teams, which I would have never thought Washington State would be at this point, but they did beat Oregon State, which again blew my mind. I can't get a grasp of this Pac 12 conference. Yeah. You guys are beating the crap out of each other and it's driving me nuts. Um <laughs> Stanford at Washington State. Stanford. Stanford? It's yeah. a big smashing. That's a smashing. Yeah, I'm going with Stanford as well. All right, final one. It's also in the Pac-12. UCLA at Washington. UCLA. UCLA. I'm going with Washington with the upset. Oh, it's not happening. I'm always saying that because Chip Kelly's teams, they always like have great wins, but then they have really ugly losses. Like yeah. teams like Washington. Like how'd that happen, huh? Yeah, like it, it's kind of a, a WT, you know, loss. I'm not going to put the other letter because I don't want to get in trouble, but you know what I mean. Like, a, why why would that happen? It's a head-scratching loss, I guess. Yeah. Um, okay, now we're moving on to NFL picks. Um, for, this was all the way back from week three. We're now in week six. You went three and two. I went three and two in week three of the NFL. All time, we're both nine and six. But we don't pick the same games. So people are like, well, you guys just picked the same games. No, we didn't. You and I always go different games. Yeah. Um, all right. You ready for, for week six of NFL? Yep. All right. Green Bay Packers against Jalen Johnson and the Chicago Bears at Soldier Field. I got to go with Jalen Johnson. I was going to say, be careful with what you say. I <laughs> am go, Pack, go. I don't think I had a choice on that one. Got to go with my dog. Here, here's, a, here's a sneaky good game, Clark. The Los Angeles Chargers, Justin Herbert, who's having a great season against the Baltimore Ravens, who had that massive comeback on Monday Night Football, where uh, Jackson had, what, like 500 yards total? He went crazy. 86%, I think, overall grade. Yeah. And, like, I don't know how you do something. He went like. – basically, Cam Rising and him had, like, the same games. <laughs> as far as, like, passing, except Cam didn't get four, uh, 400 yards passing. He got three. Yeah. But – Still, and again, I'm not comparing Cam Rising to Lamar Jackson, people. I'm just saying, yeah. as far as how how you yeah. know how accurate he was. Um, so who are you going with? It's at Baltimore. I've got to go with the Ravens. Yeah, are you yeah. A, are you a Lamar Jackson fan? Yeah, big time, all day, all day, all day. See, I can't just because of his him. relationship with my guy Tyler Huntley. Oh yeah, back of quarterback. 
There you go. I can't go with the Chargers because I'm a Broncos fan. I hate the Chargers. Going with the Ravens. Plus, I like Tyler Huntley. He's a good dude. I covered him for for a few years. Um, The only undefeated team in the NFL is the Arizona Cardinals. They are at Cleveland. My team. Yeah, how about that? By the way, did anybody predict that? I know you didn't. Nope. I didn't. I thought we were going to be trash like always. Although, when you get Kyler Murray, A.J. Green, DeAndre Hopkins. Larry Fitzgerald. He's not playing. Well, he was. Now he is he done I think now? He's golfing. I don't think he officially retired. I think. Yeah, he's he just did. like taking a little time off. He kind of passed the torch to D Hop. Well, Larry can do what the hell he wants. Yeah, he can. He he can ride his ticket wherever he goes. Um, okay. Are you are you sticking with your team? Yep. With your guys. Got to. Oh, this is tough. You know what? Cleveland's going to take him down. You think? I think so. There's no way. I think so. There's no way you really believe that. All right. I'm, I'm going to put you on the spot here. Uh-oh. Your dad's favorite team and your co-host and really good friend's favorite team, Raiders at Broncos. And Broncos. Yep, I was going to ah, – I got to go with the Raiders. I got All right, go everybody. With- that, was a, that was a really good show. <laughs> 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 I got to, man. I just can't go with the Broncos. I grew up a, a Raider fan by default. I didn't never like the Raiders until which, I got it out of Which, like, which really sucks for you to have to grow up as a Raiders fan, man. I had and, to because I had no choice. I was in my dad's house, and now I'm out of the house, and now I can make my own decisions. Now and you like still went with the Raiders? Just because it was 18 years in that house of being a Raider fan, you know? Well, that was your last <laughs> dish of brownies, by the way. <laughs> All right, man, maybe next time that you guys see the Raiders, then I'll choose the Broncos. You still got some growing on me to do, man. Huh? You still got some growing on me to do. I was, you know, was in my dad's house for 18 years. I can't can't go against that. Not yet. Well, I know you're not going to live in my house for 18 years. (laughs) I hope not. Yeah. Parker won't let me. I don't think Parker will let me. Oh, he'll love it. He, he would end up kicking me out and, and having you come live here. Trade, he'll make a trade. Yeah, he'd end up making a trade, and I'm not living with your, <laughs> your, your roommates, even though you guys you guys keep a pretty tidy house. Um, Buffalo Bills at Tennessee Titans. This is on Monday Night Football. Buffalo Bills at the Tennessee Titans. Mm. Monday Night. I don't think anybody's going to be able to keep the stiff armor from stiff arming people. Let me go you, with. You're going with the Titans? Ah. <sighs> I just got to. I, I can't go. I can't go with anybody else. By the way, I never gave my my pick for the Raiders Broncos game. I mean, it's obvious. I'm throwing it out there, Broncos. But yeah, are you really going to go with Derrick Henry? Got to. Okay, I'm going with the Bills, and I actually think the Bills have the most legit shot of winning a Super Bowl this year. They're that good. Mm, there's no way we actually believe that one. There's no way they're that good with Diggs. Diggs, Josh Allen, Zach Moss. Yeah, they've got a good team. You're right. You're right about that. You're right about that. And they went and killed the Chiefs in Kansas City on Sunday Night Football. Dang, that's the truth. That's crazy. Well, all right. I'm I'm going with the Bills. You're going with the uh, Titans on that one. So uh, just to kind of wrap it up here, what's kind of the uh, plan for the week, you guys? I mean, are you guys hoping that it, it uh, snows and it gets really, really cold for the guys down down in the desert? 
Well, uh, it's not looking like that so far. It looks like it's going to be about 40 degrees. Which is still cold for degrees. them. Yeah, still cold for them. Um, and it'll probably just be dark, kind of cloudy. But um, no, they don't think it's going to have a chance of rain or snow. But that would be nice, though, because we know that um, those guys probably won't be looking forward to nothing like that coming from Arizona, you know, where it's hot all the time. <laughs> is there is there any benefit to playing against uh, Brian Thompson in practice? Now that you guys are going to be seeing him, yeah. Nah, if you ask me if I'll be watching some of his old practice clips, most definitely. Um, seeing how we can compare that to you know his film now, and you know what Arizona State likes to do receiving wise, I'll try to be you know making notes on that. But um, really, just focusing on all the receivers because they got a couple um, that can do some things, and I'm just excited to be diving into a new team. How how good is uh, is uh, Jaden Daniels? He's a good player. He's a, I feel like he's a two dual threat. He can make things happen on his feet and he can throw the ball a little bit. Um, he, uh, we played against him in 2019. I saw some of that film. We put a lot of pressure in his face and stuff. And um, I think um, he can make things happen, man, but we're going to try to contain him and try to get some people in his face and get him to make some good decisions. All right, well, hopefully you guys get another win. Uh, you know, keep it rolling, and you guys are sitting pretty in the uh, Pac-12 South driver's seat, and uh, we will talk in studio next week, Clark. I really appreciate it, man. I appreciate you, man. Uh, see you soon. I appreciate you being flexible, man. Best co-host ever, for real, man. You've been understanding, flexible, um, and then compassionate during these times. Really appreciate it, man. As I've told you during text and that, this isn't easy. Um, the only thing that you can do is is offer support, and that's all that I, I've been trying to do throughout throughout this whole thing. Not only just for you, mainly for you, but also for for the entire football team. It's funny people were were asking me how I was doing. I'm like, look, I'm I'm fine. I've I've you know covered this team. It's sad, yeah. Um, but I didn't know Aaron the way you guys did, and my heart hurt for you guys, um, and and obviously for Aaron's family. Just. You know, we ended up, uh, our, our news team interviewed Aaron's mom and just seeing her the way that she was. I mean, she she handled it really, really well, considering. But uh, I, I was really hurting for you guys, and that was why. I mean, no one should ever have to go through that, not only once, but twice. Um, I agree. But but that's why I told you, let's, you know, whenever you're ready to go, we'll get back to it. I mean, the show can wait, but now, now that we're back, um, we'll get geared up and Another great game coming up on Saturday. Hopefully, we'll be talking about another pick six, right? Let's do it, man. Let's do it. All right, Clark. Take it easy, man. Good luck. All right, man. I'll talk to you soon. All right, there you go. That is Faith, Family, and Football with Clark Phillips III. It's powered by kslsports.com.